Welcome to the Zenov Podcast. You're listening to our Business Resilience Series, where we bring to you conversations between eminent industry stalwarts and thought leaders from across the globe as they discuss their insights on overcoming challenges and the mindset that helps them navigate the journey of crisis, resilience, and growth. Hi, everyone. I'm Nithika Goel, CMO at Zenov, and your host for today. Welcome to an all-new episode of the Zenov Podcast Business Resilience Series. If you want to start a heated debate, just drop the word culture into the conversation mix and see what happens from there. Culture has many different definitions, interpretations, but what is irrefutable is that an organization's culture is its immune system. But what makes a company's culture sticky? What makes it exceptional? How do organizations decide which parts of their culture to preserve and which parts to transform as things evolve? In the last 20 months or so, these are the questions many leaders have had to grapple with as they paved through the realities of fostering a culture in a remote or hybrid scenario. Understanding what their employees want, what are the things that their employees have had to come to terms with, both personally and professionally. Today, I have with me a very special guest, someone I have known for years, a leader with 20 plus years of experience in the technology industry, a consummate people leader, a culture champion. Ruchi Bhalla, country head, India Delivery Center and Vice President Human Resources, Asia Pacific at Pitney Bowes. Having worn multiple hats at her long stint at PB, Ruchi is perfectly positioned to share her perspectives, experiences and insights around how to redefine the culture code. Welcome, Ruchi, and thank you for your time. It's always a pleasure speaking to you on this topic. Thank you, Nikki. Pleasure to be on this platform. So happy to talk to you about this topic. Great. So like I was saying earlier, culture has very uh, many definitions. What, according to you, is culture? And how would you describe, and would you actually describe it the same way as you would 24 months ago? Uh, interesting start, uh, uh, Nikki. Uh, you know, there are many definitions that exist. I like the one by our CEO, Mark Lautenbach, uh, which goes as uh, culture is our collective capability to create value in different contexts. And uh, I think culture is truly the currency to create long-term sustainable success for any organization. And company like ours, Pitney Bowes, who prioritize culture are able to weather difficult times and changes in business environment and they come out stronger. Uh, and if you asked me this question 24 months ago, my answer would have been the same. In fact, I would describe our company's culture much in the same way a, a decade ago and even further back uh, during our inception in 1920. The grit, the resolve, the compassion, innovation, all are attributes of our culture and they have stood the test of time. Uh, and yet again, during the crisis, this recent crisis, uh, these attributes reveal themselves again. And uh, for over a century now, Pitney Bowes has built a strong uh, cultural foundation based on the value of uh, doing the right thing the right way. It's the conscious as well as uh, unconscious beliefs that drive the behavior of everyone at Pitney Bowes. And this then drives decisions and practices and repeatedly they set the tone for our culture. Uh, however, with a strong foundation, culture can 
and should evolve with time. Leaders need to be agile and empathetic, and they have to stay tuned into employees' voices, which is exactly what we did during the pandemic, as we would uh, during any other crisis or even regular uh, working schedules. Now, those are really great points. I love the point you talked about the conscious and the unconscious layer, right? So I'm going to probably take that thread and extend it. And enabling a cohesive employee experience would require both the conscious and unconscious element. And that's a challenging task. And it's doubly so in a remote or a hybrid scenario. What are the top three things that you uh, did as an organization to help this happen or create that cohesive culture and employee experience using these two tenets as the foundational elements? See, when we talk about hybrid, we are talking about two sets of people, one who are in the room and one who are across the screen. So you have to make sure that you weave in all perspectives, all voices, whether across the table or across the phone, right? Uh, Which means that inclusion is paramount. Uh, everyday allyship to hear all perspectives uh, will be key. Uh, Having mechanisms that do not fuel biases to prefer one over the other for uh, non-merit reasons is extremely important. It's important to remember that when lives and homes were invaded whilst working from home, we noticed and we recognized and we embraced the whole human. We accommodate and, you know, accommodating personal life uh, sort of happened organically. Now we can't forget the priorities and responsibilities that employees carry outside the office. We cannot undo the lines that blurred. Now we know better and we also did better. It will be a shame to go back. And the second thing will be recognizing hybrid has widened the playing field for all. You know, so it's important to listen in to check in on the aspirations of people, their connectedness levels, and developing skills as a currency of future uh, will be also extremely important. Uh, And the third cornerstone would be personalizing employee experience, which I think will be a game changer. Uh, Each demographic has their own views. And if you marry it with demand supply economics of talent and complexities of technology and pace of change, and pandemic-induced fatigue, uh, you know, if we don't step up the game on personalizing the employee experience now, we will not be able to fully unlock the value of our talent. It has to feel uh, relevant for everyone on the team, irrespective of uh, where they sit and what technology they work upon. It should be uh, able to respond to each individual's needs. Uh, It should speak to their values. Delivering this personalized employee experience will be the most important and valuable people leadership agenda for uh, the hybrid times. I think you brought in an array of very, very interesting points. And I was like jotting down notes copiously. You talked about inclusion. You talked about everyday allyship. You talked about uh, creating processes so that everything is merit based, not opinion-based, how should a person start, or an organization or a leader really start thinking about this? But let me give you two scenarios. In scenario one, in an organization where personalization has never taken place. And in organization two, where it's probably been taking place, but not in a formalized manner. How would you recommend that leaders think through this process? 
personalized employee experience is no longer a good to have thing i think that's the only way we will be able to manage the great uh, attrition uh, as it is being called out now and also the fact that if you don't recognize the whole human that of you know that you're of you know the employee base and the talent base i think we stand to lose the discretionary effort that comes from engaging employees the the willingness to get involved the willingness to go above and beyond that will not get developed and also i you know you gave me two scenarios organizations who've done this before and who haven't experimented with this i don't think it's a choice that organizations have uh, it's a it's sort of a do or get left out uh, sort of a situation and it's all starts with listening in i think we've made so much uh, of uh, so much about leaders talking than listening that uh, it's it's a very important habit that we'll all have to go back to and cultivate because listening in more minutely more avidly will determine how we deliver these personalized experiences and uh, you know we we started a program very recently it's called i for intersectionality which means that you know when you look at an employee's background there are several subsets that affect you know how they come to work what what motivates them what are their aspirations what are their limitations what are their expectations from the organization and unless we make an effort to understand their stories they will never find themselves in our story or in the organization's story so just making the effort to stay connected and to understand will be extremely important uh, for some uh, you know it will be important that the work life is is supreme and therefore organizing work schedules around their priorities will be something that will make it work for them for others it will be an overseas opportunity or for some it will be a different role or a hands on tech sort of an experience or or client proximity etc so we'll have to kind of uh, understand what makes it work and you know while while this is the soft bit of it the most important bit of it will be leveraging data right uh, data and analytics how do you make use of all the employee data that you have uh, and analytics that you draw can and can they help you understand the return on investment on the different initiatives that you have in the organization because people initiatives or culture initiatives are all business initiatives and unless there is a clear return on investment there is no point in continuing to stay invested it means that those dollars need to be repurposed to something more meaningful so uh, if i have to summarize this two things would be very important encouraging leaders to listen in more than they talk the second bit will be uh, leveraging data and analytics to uh, understand where the dollars are being spent for maximum gains for business great great points so one of the things i know and i'm going to like take the conversation on a different thread because i know um, and congratulations on your recent as an award as well right i think so that's congrats really great uh, well deserved i know so one more thing that you are known for and pb is also known for is creating a highly inclusive work culture and in fact pb has been named as one of the best places for women to work at uh, could you share a little bit of insight on how you made this magic happen i mean everybody talks about it lots of people struggle with operationalizing it so would love to hear your inputs on that uh you know uh 
for a company that is a century old and it you know that has continued to reinvent itself there is a degree of resilience and anti fragility and if we've been able to build a strong cultural foundation for our team in india aligned to this cultural ethos and commitment to diversity i will talk about the three most important things uh, one being empathetic leadership uh, which means that emphasizing empathy in every interaction right uh, taking time to understand the human side of our employees who may be going through their own challenges during this uh, trying time or otherwise showing up for people is very important right i was fortunate to have witnessed this uh you know when during the second wave especially when our global leaders stepped forth and they offered help guidance and support and were all in it with us uh, while dealing with a host of other challenges and other problems themselves i'll never forget it and will also not never forget how our people stepped forth to help their colleagues and i believe at the core of it uh, that's what this company is about uh, so replicating it or furthering it in india came very organically very naturally it wasn't an uphill task you know and the second thing is iterative approaches or personalized approaches for initiatives is extremely important no one initiative will tend to all uh, as a result we launched several initiatives for employees around wellness uh, mental health covid support uh, learning and development etc that made us realize these moments of truth with respect to every interaction i spoke about the concept of intersectionality and that has been an eye opener that how disadvantages can play out and uh, while gender may be perceived as one disadvantage but coming from a different region or coming from, uh, you know being born to uneducated parents or uh, being married into a family with no support system those are those disadvantages when they get coupled they kind of amplify and make it very very hard so meeting your people where they are is extremely important and that is what has kind of helped us uh, get through these surveys time and again because we recognize where our people are and we make the attempt to show up for them and meet them where they are uh and the third which which nikki i'll say that is a is a continual journey and and i you know i am also uh, kind of keeping myself in check uh every day on this is tackling unconscious bias uh we realized uh, through the pandemic that a pandemic or a crisis affects everyone differently and recognizing and embracing that was very important it widens the inequity the dis- people at disadvantage are at more disadvantage right uh, we understood that we can't leave people out even unintentionally we launched several initiatives uh, one of which that i'd like to talk about is blind applications this was for candidates applying for jobs it means that if you choose to hide your last name because you worried about uh, you know your resume not getting selected or you wanted to to hide your address or your age because you you fear that you you will get omitted from applications uh, you know you can you can choose to do that you can choose to reveal your first name or last name and you don't have to mention any of your personal information that you think could hinder uh your chances of coming in pitney boos so we've we've become more conscious more aware of how these biases tend to play out in day to day decision making and we've we've tried to work uh, with them through that 
I think these are incredibly good points. I think so. Like I said, I've been taking copious notes already in the entire session. And before we wrap up this very interesting conversation, Ruchi, I uh, wanted to do a short segment where, uh, with you where we get to understand a little bit more about you, your likes and dislikes. So I'm going to structure this as a rapid fire question. Does that work? Yes, let's start. Okay. Your favorite quote on culture is? Um... Well, the one that comes to my mind is that uh, difference is an accident of birth and therefore should never be the cause of hatred or conflict. Very interesting. I think the first time I've heard this, but very profound. Fit versus adaptability. What is more important? I think adaptability all the way. All the way. Okay. Biggest learning for you from remote working? Uh, I think authenticity and living your truth should be easier, not harder. Very interesting. Biggest thing you miss about going to office every day? Uh, you know, like you said, it, Nikki, in the beginning, learning through osmosis is what I miss the most. Again, thank you so much for your time, Ruchi. I think it's been an incredibly interesting conversation. Thank you, Nikki. It was good chatting with you and I hope the audience find it's worth their while. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Business Resilience Series. Stay tuned for more such interesting episodes. You can listen to our podcast on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast from. To know more about Zenove, visit our website, www.zenove.com, or drop us a note at info at zenove.com. Follow us on Twitter at Zenove for regular updates on our content. Thank you again for listening to the Business Resilience Series of the Zenove Podcast.